Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Brown Girls Are Beautiful. I'm your Melanated Queen and CEO and founder of Brown Girls Are Beautiful, BGAB Clothing. It's all day, every day, hashtag no days off. You all, without no further ado, I want to get right into it because today we will be examining, okay, part two of Behold a Pale Horse with William Cooper, okay? And I am your host as yours truly, all right? Yes, we're going to be talking about Operation Chaos, how that took effect, how that infiltrated the system, you all, and how it is still prevalent today. And as, as always, you know, we always like to uh, give thanks before we start off. So everybody, let's join hands and bow our heads. I'm going to give this moment of thanks today to say, even though we going through some struggles out here, y'all, we are still here today. We have still made it to another day, y'all. And I hope you have had a wonderful start to your week on this journey that we call life, dearly beloved. Okay. I hope everybody is having a wonderful day. Spring has come into fruition, you all. And so we're going to get into it. I would like to talk about this other chapter in Behold a Pale Horse. I've been having some issues with my uh, device. It's the uh, internet connection. So please excuse me if things don't go all the way as planned. But I will do the best that I can, you all. Thank you so much for all those who have joined me today. And uh, I will try to come on camera, you all. I wash my hair, of as always. My hair is all over the place, but that doesn't stop me from just going, coming on and saying, hey. So let me see if I can turn my camera on, y'all. Hey, y'all. How are you doing today? This is my fro, okay? I rocks, roughs, and stuffs with my Afro pups, all right? So that's what's going on today, all right? I'm embracing my natural roots, okay? Until I can go ahead and flat iron this stuff out and tame it a little bit, okay? <laughs> so this is what I'm looking like, you all. Shouts out to us. All right, let's get into it. Now, let's get into it. So I'm going to pull up my Kindle. If you'd like to read along, please feel free to do so. All right, let's share our screen. Because we left off last time with William Cooper telling us that basically people did everything that they could to throw a monkey wrench in his plans so he could not get this book published. You know, he was backstabbed by people, people that he thought was his so-called friends. Um, he basically was robbed, if you will, of thousands of dollars. People were blackmailing, well, not really black, black marketing his VHS tapes. Okay. So he was really taken advantage of. It seems as though he went through a lot to put this information out into a book for us. So with that being said, let's go ahead and see what he had to say. Now, this is chapter two. 
It's called Secret Societies and the New World Order. I don't even know if I read this last time. I think I may have started at a whole different section. So we're kind of jumping around. But this is our, you know, book study. If you want to call it the Bible study, we can get into that. But yeah, so here we go, you all. There is a powerful, a power that's so organized, so subtle, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. This is President Woodrow Wilson. So I want you to see how the presidents interplay with these antics, you all. History is replete with whispers of secret societies. We've all heard of the secret societies, accounts of elders or priests who guarded the forbidden knowledge of ancient peoples, prominent men meeting in secret who directed the course of civilization are recorded in the writings of all people. The oldest is the Brotherhood of the Snake, also called the Brotherhood of the Dragon, and it still exists under many different names. The Brotherhood of the Snake is devoted to guarding the secrets of the ages and to the recognition of Lucifer as the one and only true God. I want to read this again, you all, because I think this might have flown over some people's heads. The Brotherhood of the Snake is devoted to the guarding of the secrets of the ages and to the recognition of Lucifer as the one and only true God. If you do not believe in God, Lucifer or Satan, you must understand that there are great masses of people who do. All right. I do not believe in racism, but millions do. And their beliefs and actions based upon those beliefs will affect me. It is clear that religion has always played a significant role in the course of these organizations. So when they say religion, there are people that believe in God, Lucifer or Satan. OK, and they do this by way of racism, racist beliefs. Um, we see this being orchestrated every single day in our society all across the globe, especially very prevalent here in what's called the United States of America. You all. All right. Let me see if we can go on. Communication with the higher source, often divine, is a familiar claim in all but a few. The secrets of these groups are thought to be so profound that only a chosen, well-educated few are able to understand and use them. These men use their special knowledge for the benefit of all mankind. At least that is what they claim. How are we to know since their knowledge and actions have been secret? Fortunately, some of it has been public knowledge. I found it intriguing that in most, if not all, primitive tribal societies, all of the adults are members. They are usually separated into male and female groups. The male usually dominates the culture. Surprisingly, this exactly resembles many civilized secret societies. This can only mean that the society is working not against established authority, but for it. In fact, it could be said to actually be the established authority. This would tend to remove the validity the validity of any argument that all secret associations are dedicated to the destruction of properly constituted authority. This can only apply, of course, where the secret society makes up the majority or entirety of any people that it affects. Only a very few fall into this category. All right. Secret societies, in fact, mirror many facets of ordinary life. There is always an exclusive exclusivity of membership with the resultant importance attached to being or becoming a member. 
This is found in all human endeavors, even those that are not secret, such as football teams or country clubs. This exclusive exclusivity of membership is actually one of the secret society's most powerful weapons. There is the use of signs, passwords, and other tools. These have always performed valuable functions in man's organizations everywhere. The stated reason, almost always different from the real reason, for the society's existence is important. It could be anything, but is usually fraternal and is found in all pressure groups wherever people congregate. So basically what he's saying is that People fall into these antics of uh, groups, being members, organizations, clubs. They always want to be a part of something and they want to feel exclusive. So they have these organizations to make people feel that they belong to something because that is simply what human nature entails. They want to belong. The comradeship, the comradeship is especially important. Sharing hardships or secrets has always been a special thrill to man. No one who has ever undergone the rigors of boot camp is ever likely to forget the special feeling of belonging and com comradeship. I hope I'm pronouncing that word properly. Camaraderie. Okay. How about we'll just say camaraderie that has been shared between the victims of the drill sergeant or company commander. It is an emotion born of initiation. The most potent tool of any secret society is the ritual and myth surrounding initiation. These special binding ceremonies have very deep meaning for the participants. And y'all, we have heard about these rituals. Okay. And, it's, and so it's like, you know, when people get initiated into a gang and all of this type of stuff, it's no different. So William Cooper is just putting it out there, letting you know that these practices take place, this, these initia initiations you have to do and perform these tasks to be a part of these groups. Initiation performs several functions which make up the heart and soul of any true secret society like boot camp, the initiation into the armed forces. Important aspects of human thought that are universally compelling are merged to train and maintain the efforts of a group of people to operate in a certain direction. Initiation bonds the members together in mysticism. So I want you to think about when people join fraternities, when people join the Masons, all these things you have to be initiated, okay? Even in the spiritual world, there's an initiation that has to take place. It is done in secret. There are rituals that people perform, okay? Neophytes gain knowledge of a secret, giving them special status. The ancient meaning of neophyte is planted anew or reborn. A higher initiation is in reality a promotion, inspiring loyalty, and the desire to move up to the next ring or rung. The goals of the society are reinforced, causing the initiated to act towards those goals in everyday life. That brings about a change in the political and social action of the member. So subconsciously, you're thinking that because you've performed these ritualistic practices, that is going to yield you certain results. The change is always in the best interest of the goals of the leaders of the secret society. The leaders are called adepts. This can best be illustrated by the soldier trained to follow orders without thinking. The result is often. Let me see if y'all can hear me. Just a second. I have to perform a sound check, you all. Make sure y'all, can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I'm being heard. All right. So it says the, the, the soldier trained to follow orders without thinking, okay? Now, 
With that being said, I want you to think about people that join the army and go through boot camp and, and all of that. They go through basic training. They are acting without thinking because they're after your mind. The result is often the wounding or death of the soldier for the realization of the commander's goal, which may or not be good for the overall community. So let me give you an example. When they send people to these alleged wars, the Iraq war, the uh, Afghanistan war, um, the Desert Storm, Desert Shield, Desert Storm War. Remember those wars? All of that took place. And what was the result? Death. Initiation. So when they got initiation into the military, what did they have to go through? Like I said, like a training camp, uh, basic training. They want you to act without thinking. They want you to be commanded, being told orders. Initiation is a means of rewarding ambitious men who can be trusted. You will notice that the higher the degree of initiation, the fewer the members who possess the degree. This is not because the members are not ambitious, but because a process of very careful selection is being conducted. A point is reached where no effort is good enough with either pull by the higher members. So it's always giving you that feeling that, oh, if you just do more, uh, enough is never enough. If you could just do a little bit more to satisfy or please the upper echelon members of the group. And if you look into society, where, where do we see that? We see that on jobs. We see that in school. We see that in many facets of politics. All right. A point is reached where no effort is good enough. All right. Most members never proceed beyond this point and never learn the real secret purpose of the group. We already know what it is to control people's minds. The frozen member from that point on serves only as a part of the political power base, as indeed he has always done. You may have guessed by now that initiation is a way to determine who can and cannot be trusted. And I'm going to add on to that and say who can and who cannot be used. Okay, because they want to use you. They want to use your physical attributes. They really don't want to use your mind. They want to take over your mind and cause you not to think for yourself, but to take orders. A method of deciding exactly who is to become an adept may be decided uh, during initiation by asking the candidate to spit on the Christian cross. If the candidate refuses, the members con congratulate him and tell him, you have made the right choice as a true adept would never do such a terrible thing. The newly initiated might find it disconcerting, however, that he or she never advances any higher. If instead the candidate spits upon the cross, he or she has demonstrated a knowledge of one of the mysterious and soon will find him or herself a candidate for the next higher level. The mystery is that religion is but a tool to control the masses. I'm going to read that again. The mystery is that the religion is but a tool to control the masses. I will read it again. The mystery is that religion is but a tool to control the masses. Knowledge or wisdom is their only God through which man himself will become God. The snake and the dragon are both symbols of wisdom, okay? The snake and the dragon are both symbols of wisdom. Why am I repeating this? Because we saw these sim the symbolism in the Bible. Lucifer is the personification of the symbol. It was Lucifer who tempted Eve to entice Adam to eat of the tree of knowledge and thus free man from the bonds of ignorance, the worship a lot different from study of knowledge, science, or technology is Satanism in its purest form. 
and its god is Lucifer. Its secret symbol is the all-seeing eye in the pyramid. Undesirable effects of secret societies and their aura of mystery has sometimes given them the reputation for being abnormal associations or at the very least strange groups of people. Whenever their beliefs are those of the majority, majority they are no longer considered antisocial. A good example is the Christian church, which was at one time a secret society under the Roman Empire. In fact, the open, friendly society, secret society, the Vatican, actually ruled most, if not all, the known world at one time. Most secret societies are generally considered to be antisocial. They are believed to contain elements that are not liked or are outright harmful to the community in general. This is exactly the case in some instances. Communism and fascism are secret societies in many countries where they are prohibited by law. In this country, the Nazi Party and the Ku Klux Klan are secret societies due mostly to the fact that the general public is disgusted by them. Their activities are sometimes illegal, thus the secrecy of their membership. The early Christians were a secret society because Roman authorities considered them from the start to be dangerous to imperial rule. The same was true of the followers of Islam. At least some of these true believers working in secret accomplished what would turn out to be for this eventual good of society. The Drusid and Yazidis in Syria and Iraq consider the Arabs, the Arabs, a dangerous secret society dedicated to take over the world. The Arabs today think the same of the Jews. Catholics and Freemasons used to have precisely the same ideas about each other. In many primitive or backward societies, initiation, initiation into the highest degrees of the group involved subjection to trials, which not infrequently resulted in death or insanity for the candidate. It can be seen that social right and wrong is not the yardstick in estimating the value of a secret society. And Borneo initiates of hunting societies consider it uh, meritorious and compulsory to hunt heads. In Polynesia, inf infanticide and debauch were considered essential for initi initiating into their societies where the tribal code needed members who indulged in these things as pillars of society. Since the beginning of recorded history, governmental bodies of every nation have been involved with maintaining the status quo to defend the establishment against minority groups that sought to function as states within states or to oust the constituted authority and take over in its place. Many of these attempts have succeeded, but have not always lasted. Man's desire to be one of the elect is something that no power on earth has been able to lessen, let alone destroy. It is one of the secrets of secret societies. It is what gives them a political base and lots of clout. Members often vote the same and give each other preference in daily business, legal and social activities. It is the deepest desire of many to be able to say, I belong to the elect, okay? Houses of worship and sacrifice existed in the ancient cities. These, they were in fact temples built in honor of the many, many gods. These buildings functioned often as meeting places for philosophers and mystics who were believed to possess the secrets of nature. These men usually banded together in seclusive philosophic and religious schools.
the most important of all of these ancient groups is the Brotherhood of the Snake or Dragon and was simply known as the Mysteries. The snake and dragon are symbols that represent wisdom. The father of wisdom is Lucifer, also called the light bearer. The focus of worship for the mysteries was Osiris, another name of Lucifer. Osiris was the name of a bright star that the ancients believed had been cast down onto the earth. The literal meaning of Lucifer is bringer of light or the morning star. After Osiris was gone from the sky, the ancients saw the sun as the representing of Osiris, or more correctly, Lucifer. Then it speaks here. Osiris was represented by the sun, Albert Pike. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Isaiah 14, 12. It is claimed that after Lucifer fell down from heaven, he brought with him the power of thinking as a gift for mankind. Fred Gettings, Secret Symbolism in Occult Art. Most of the greatest minds that ever lived were initiated into the secret of mysteries by secret and dangerous rites, some of which were very cruel. Some of the most famous were known as Osiris, Isis, Sabaeus, Sibel, and Eleusis. Plato was one of these initiates, and he describes some of the mysteries in his writings. Plato's initiate, initiation encompassed three days of entombment in the Great Pyramid, during which time he died symbolically, was reborn, and was given secrets that he was to preserve. Plato's writings are full of information in the mysteries. Manly P. Hall stated in his book, The Secret Teachings of All Ages, that the Illum the illumined of antiquity entered its pyramid of Giza portals as men. They came forth as gods. The ancient Egyptian word for pyramid was Kuti, which meant glorious light. Mr. Hall says also the pyramids, the great Egyptians temples of initiation. According to many, the, the great pyramids were built to commemorate and observe a supernova explosion that occurred in the year 4000 BC. Dr. Anthony Huish, 1974 Nobel Prize winner in physics, discovered a rhythmic series of radio pulses, which he proved were emissions from a star that had exploded around 4000 BC. The Freemasons began their calendar from AL in the year of light found by adding 4,000 to the modern year. Thus, 1990 plus 4,000 is 5990. A.L. George Mikanowski wrote in The One and Future Star that the ancient Sumerian Suniform described the giant star exploding within a triangle formed by Zeta, Pupis, Gamma, Valorum, and Lambda Valorum, located in the southern sky. An accurate star catalog now stated that the blazing star that had exploded within the triangle would again be seen by men in 6,000 years. According to the Freemasons calendar, it will occur in the year 2000 and indeed it will. Okay, 2000 has come before us, to my knowledge, and I'm trying to understand if we have seen this star. I know no knowledge of that. The spacecraft called Galileo is on its way to Jupiter, a baby star with a gaseous makeup exactly the same as our sun with a load of 49.7 pounds of plutonium supposedly being used as batteries to power the craft. 
When its final orbit decays in December 1999, Galileo will deliver its payload into the center of Jupiter. You all, I think this book was written back in the 80s, so this is why it's making these predictions um, for the time frame that has already passed. Okay, so the unbelievable pressure that will be encountered will cause a reaction exactly as occurs when an atomic bomb is exploded by an implosion detonator. The plutonium will explode in an atomic reaction, lighting the hydrogen and helium atmosphere of Jupiter and resulting in the birth of the star that was already been named Lucifer. The world would, will interpret it as a sign of tremendous religion significance. It will fulfill prophecy in reality. It is only a demonstration of the insane application of technology by the Jason Society, which may or may not even work. They have practiced overkill to ensure success. However, at the documents that I read, while in Naval Intelligence stated that Project Galileo, I need to write that down required only five pounds of plutonium to ignite Jupiter and possibly stave off the coming ice age. Global warming is a hoax. I'm going to say that again. Global warming is a hoax. It is easier for the public to deal with and will give the ruling elite more time before panic and anarchy replace the government. The reality is that overall global temperatures are becoming lower. Storms are becoming more violent and less predictable. The ice caps at the poles are growing larger. The temperature zones where food can be grown are shrinking. Okay. They keep telling us that we're going to have a food shortage and that for some reason they will not allow people to go to Antarctica, the North Pole, the South Pole. Why are they trying to keep these places away from us? Desertification is increasing in the tropics. An ice age is on its way and will likely occur suddenly. Simultaneously, a vault containing the ancient records of the earth will be opened in Egypt. The return of Lucifer and the opening of the vault will usher in the millennium. A great celebration has already been planned by the Millennium Society to take place at the pyramids in Egypt, according to the January 3rd, 1989 edition of Arizona Daily Star. President-elect Bush is spinning this New Year's holiday at Camp David, Maryland, but in 10 years, he may be in Egypt. Organizers of the Millennium Society say he's already committed to ushering in the next century at the Great Pyramid of Cheops in Giza. So there's a reason why they keep a lot of these things from us, okay? The first secret that one must know to even begin to understand the mysteries is that their members believe that there are but very few truly mature minds in the world. They believe that those minds belong exclusively to them. The philosophy that follows is the classic secret society view of humanity. When a person of strong intellect is confronted with a problem that calls for the use of reasoning faculties, they keep their poise and attempt to reach a solution by garnering facts bearing on the question. On the other hand, those who are immature when confronted by the same problem are overwhelmed. While the former may be said to be qualified to solve the mystery of their own destiny, the latter must be led like a bunch of animals and taught in the simplest language like we see today. Like sheep, they are all totally dependent on the shepherd. The able intellect is taught the mysteries and the esoteric spiritual truths. So we see this happening in church. The masses are taught the literal <laughs> exoteric interpretations like the Bible, y'all, meant to be taken 
uh, figuratively and not literally. While the masses worship the five senses, you know, what you can see, taste, touch, feel, hear, smell, the select few observe recognizing in the gulf between them the symbolic consecrations of great abstract truths. The initiated elect communicate directly to gods, aliens, question mark, who communicate back to them. The masses sacrifice their lambs on an altar facing a stone idol that can neither hear or speak. The elect are given knowledge of the mysteries and are illumined and thus known as the Illuminati or the Illuminated Ones, the guardians of the secrets of the ages. Three early secret societies that can be directly connected to a modern descendant are the cults of Roshania, Mithras, and their counterpart, the Builders. They have many things in common with the Freemasons of today, as well as with many other branches at the Illuminati. For instance, common to the Brotherhood are the symbolic rebirth into a new life without going through the portal of death during initiation, reference to the to the lion and the grip of the lion's paw, and the Master Mason's degree, the three degrees, which is the same as the ancient Masonic rites before the many other degrees were added, the ladder of seven rungs, men only, and the all-seeing eye. Of spiritual interest is the powerful society in Afghanistan in ancient times called the Roshania, illuminated ones. There are actually references to this mystical cult going through history to the House of Wisdom at Cairo. The major tenets of this cult were the abolition of private property, the elimination of religion, the elimination of nation, nation states, the belief that illumination emanated from the supreme being who desired a class of perfect men and women to carry out the organization and direction of the world, belief in a plan to reshape the social system of the world by first taking control of individual countries one by one, and the belief that after reaching the fourth degree, one could communicate directly with the unknown supervisors who had imparted knowledge to initiates throughout the ages, wise men will again recognize the brotherhood. Can you hear the echo of the Nazi party, the communist party, the extreme right and the extreme left? The important fact to remember is that the leaders of both the right and the left are a small hardcore of men who have been and are still Illuminists or members of the Brotherhood. They may have been or may be members of the Christian or Jewish religions, but that is only to further their own ends. They are and always have been Luciferian and internationalists. They give allegiance to no particular nation, although they have used on occasion nationalism to further their agendas. I'm saying agenda instead of their causes. Their only concern is to gain greater economic and political power. I say this again. Their only concern is to gain greater economic and political power. Again, their only concern is to gain greater economic and political power. The ultimate objective of the leaders of both groups is identical Democrats and Republicans. They are determined to win for themselves undisputed control of the wealth, natural resources and manpower of the entire planet. They intend to turn the world into their conception of a Luciferian totalitarian socialist state. In the process, they will eliminate all Christians, Jews, and atheists. You have just learned one, but only one of the great mysteries. The Roshania 
also called themselves the order, and this year took an oath that absolved them of all allegiance except to the order and stated, I bind myself to perpetual silence and unshaken loyalty and submission to the order, all humanity, which cannot identify itself by our secret sign as our lawful prey. The oath remains essentially the same to this day. The secret sign was to pass a hand over the forehead palm inward, the countersign to hold the ear with the fingers and support the elbow in the cupped other hand. Does that sound familiar? The order is the order of the quest. The cult preached that there was no heaven, no hell, only a spirit state completely different from life as we know it. The spirit could continue to be powerful on earth through a member of the order, but only if the spirit had been itself a member of the order before its death. Thus, members of the order gained power from the spirits of the dead members. The Roshaniya took in travelers as initiates and then sent them on their way to found new chapters of the order. It is believed by some that the assassins were a branch of Roshaniya. Branches of the Roshaniya or the illuminated ones or the Illuminati existed and still exist everywhere. One of the rules was not to use the same name and never mention the Illuminati. That rule is still in effect today. I believe that it is the breaking of this rule that resulted in Adam Weishaupt's downfall. Everybody make note of Adam Weishaupt. Okay. That name is very prevalent. You can actually find some documentaries about him on YouTube. Again, his name is Adam Weishaupt. I actually need my notebook here so I can write some of this stuff down because I had actually forgotten about him. One of the greatest secrets of the ages is the true story of the Holy Grail, the robe of Jesus, the remains of the cross of crucifixion and whether Jesus actually died or if he survived and produced the child. Many myths surround the Knights Templar concerning these relics and most myths throughout history always have at least some basis. In fact, if my sources are correct, the Knights Templar survive today as a bunch of the Illuminati and guard the relics which are hidden in a location known only to them. We know that the Templars are Illuminati because the Freemasons absorbed and protected those who escaped persecution of the church and France, just as the Freemasons would absorb and protect Weishaupt's Illuminati centuries later. The Knights Templar exists today as a higher degree of Freemasonry within the Templar order. In fact, the Knights Templar is a branch of the order of the quest. The uh, De Molay Society is a branch of the Freemasons that consecrates the memory of the persecution of the Knights Templar, and in particular, their leader, Jacques de, de Molay. I know because I was a member of the De Molay Society as a young adult. I love the mystery and ritual. I became separated from the society when my family moved to a location out of reach of my lodge. I believe to this day that my association with the De Molay Society may have been the reason for my selection for naval security and intelligence. According to members of the intelligence community, when the New World Order is solidified, the relics will be taken out, will be united with the spirit of destiny, and will, according to legend, give the world's ruler absolute power. This may confirm beliefs passed down through the ages 
that describe the significance of these relics when united in the hands of one man and may also explain Hitler's desperate search for their hiding place during World War II. Again, I must remind you that it makes not one iota of difference what you believe. If they believe, you will be affected. The Knights Templar were founded sometime during the 11th century in Jerusalem uh, by Pierre de Zion for the express purpose of guarding the remaining relics of Jesus and to provide military protection for the religious travelers during their pilgrimage to the Holy City. All right, so let's see here. There's some other information that I want to read, but I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to take a short, brief intermission, you all. So just a moment. I'll be right back, y'all. Let's see here. Y'all, I'm hungry. I'm going to have to eat something. I don't know what I want, but I'm going to eat something. All right, and we are back. What's good, 8 with the 24? How are you today, King? I'm glad you are able to join. Just reading out of uh, Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper. I thought this was some very informative, interesting information for people who have not been introduced to this book. So I'm just going to go ahead and uh, get back into it. Y'all, I'm so hungry right now. I did not find my notebook. Hold on one second, y'all. I'll be right back. I'm going out for a brief moment. Uh, so let me play something else for y'all. My apologies, but I got to get me a snack or something. <laughs> Woo. Shoot. This, this freaking tummy is rumbling. Okay, let me play something a little bit longer, y'all.
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Excuse me. Excuse me for taking so long, you all. I am back. My apologies for that. You know what? Next time I'm just going to play one of my other videos while I go to intermission. But I have put some food on the stove. <laughs> you about to eat yourself. Yeah, I got to eat, man. Because look, my, my freaking metabolism is out of control. But anyway, let's get back into it, y'all. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, all right. Let me get back into my flow, y'all. Where were we? Oh, shoot. Let me put it back. Okay. I was reading off the screen once upon a time not long ago. All right. How am I going to do this? Because I got to be able to switch the pages. Okay. I think I got it. Is this it? Yeah, I got to remember what I was doing. Pardon me. Okay. Add to the stream. Okay. <sighs> Let's see. Read tab. Oh, here it is. I got it. I got it. My apologies. Let's go back. Where were we? We were talking about the Illuminati and uh, these secret societies. Okay. Let's see. Adam Weishaupt. Okay. So he's going to get into Adam Weishaupt and the Templar. Let's see. Did I leave off? Oh, the aliens. Okay, so I read about that. Can you hear the echo of the Nazi party? I read that. Rashania, read that. We know the Templars of Illuminati, read that. I think I read this. Holy City. Okay, so the Prière de Sion was a religious order founded at Mount Sion in Jerusalem. The order set for itself the goal of preserving and recording the bloodline of Jesus and the House of David. So for those of you who may or may, may not be aware, the House of David speaks about um, the Jews. OK, now, how do I know this? Because I had to read the diary of Anne Frank back when I was in the fourth grade. I don't know why they made us read that. And if you remember when the Nazis were in Germany, they went through to find all of the Jews. And uh, that's when the Holocaust began. They put them in gas chambers and allegedly millions of people, you know, were murdered and starved to death. Hold on one more time, y'all. This is the, the freaking stove is going off because I had to, uh, I made me some Chef Boyardee. Okay. Do not judge. <laughs> Do not judge. Um, so you might hear the oven going off so what i'm going to do is play for you a little brief intermission because i gotta go put this in a bowl <laughs> are you laughing at me eight <laughs> you heard of anne frank it was a hoax yeah it was anne frank's diary i sure am because i know y'all might be able to hear this stomach growling through the freaking microphone y'all <laughs> all right so i'll be right back
and she's back. Woo, yes, 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 yes. All right. Once again, I apologize, you all. <laughs> My bad. You said I got cabbage and chicken left over. Ooh, that sounds so good. Food is food. I know that's right. And 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 thank you know, thank the creator for the food, for the nourishment of my body with this mm, 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 chef boy ID right here. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna get back into it though. All right, so here we go. <laughs> All right, um, where were we? Oh, yeah, the bloodline of Jesus and the house of David. So <clears throat> through every means available to them, the Priera de Sion, I hope I'm pronouncing that properly, found and retrieved the remaining relics. These relics were entrusted to the Knights of Templar for safekeeping. I'm amazed at the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail. Now, remember, Jay-Z had a song called Holy Grail. Jay-Z references a lot of this stuff in his songs and in his CDs and the information that they have unearthed. Most of all, I'm amazed at their inability to put the puzzle together. The treasure hidden in France is not the treasure of the temple of Jerusalem. It is the Holy Grail itself, the robe of Jesus, the last remaining pieces of the cross of crucifixion. And according to my sources, someone's bones, I can tell you that the reality of the bones will make, sh will shake the world to its very foundations. If I ever been told the truth. The relics are hidden in France. I know the location and so do the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, but they do not know that they know or do they? Adam Weishaupt, a young professor of canon law at Ingolstadt University in Germany, was a Jesuit priest and an initiate of the Illuminati, the branch of the order he founded in Germany in 1776, was, this, was the same Illuminati previously discussed. The Jesuit connection is important, as you will see later in this chapter. Researchers agree that he was financed by the House of Rothschild, the same Rothschild family mentioned in Silent Weapons for Quiet Wars. You all, we need to take notes here. We need to have a study session. Y'all should write down. Adam Weishaupt and, and write down the Rothschild. I'm sure you've heard of these people, okay? Because this is where this Illuminati stuff pretty much started formulating. All right. Weishaupt advocated ab abolition of all ordered national governments, abolition of inheritance, abolition of private property, abolition of patriotism, abolition of the individual home and family, Life as a cell from which all civilization have stemmed and abolition of all religions established and existing so that the Luciferian ideology of totalitarianism may be imposed on mankind. And we still see this uh, being prevalent for today. In the same year that he founded the Illuminati, the wealth. So I want y'all to understand the Illuminati was founded by a German man called Adam Weishaupt. Okay. And so all of this stuff that you see taking place in like the entertainment industry and, you know, Jay-Z making all these references, you think that he did not study this stuff? 
well, where did the where did he get these comparisons from? Why would he put this into his his art, into his music? Okay, the wealth of nations was published, the book that provided the ideological foundation for capitalism and for the industrial revolution. It is no accident that the De Declaration of Independence was written in the same year and the first of the great seal of the United States. The wise will recognize the all seeing eye and other signs of the brotherhood of the snake. Okay. So when you see people throwing up, you know, these pyramids, they're showing their eyes on the CD covers and photo shoots, all of the celebrities do it. We saw Rihanna, uh, Beyonce, everybody, Glenn Stefani, Gwen Stefani, my apologies. All of them do the same pose of the all seeing eye. Every tenet was the same. Date and beliefs confirmed that Weishaupt's Illuminati is the same as, as the Afghan Illuminated Ones and the other cults that called themselves Illuminated. The Alambrados of Spain, the Alambrados of Spain were the same as were the Illuminated uh, Guranets of France. In the United States, they were known as the Jacobin dubs. Secrets within secrets within secrets, but always as the heart is the brotherhood. So regardless of what they called themselves, they all basically came to one common ground because they believed the same thing. That's what he's saying here. I believe that Weishaupt was betrayed and set up for persecution because he ignored the rule that the word Illuminati or the existence of the brotherhood would never be exposed to public knowledge. His exposure and outlaw outlawing accomplished several goals of the still hidden and still very powerful brotherhood. It allowed members to debunk claims of his existence on the grounds that the Illuminati had been exposed and outlawed and thus was no longer a reality. It allowed members to deny allegations of conspiracy and of any kind. The Brotherhood of the Snake is adept at throwing out decoys to keep the dogs at bay. Weishaupt may have been a fool or he may have been doing exactly what he was told. Weishaupt said the great strength of our order lies in its concealment. I'm going to read that again. The great strength of our order lies in its concealment. Let it never appear in any place in its own name, but always covered by another name and another occupation. Now, we see this happen with corporations like, for instance, Minute Maid is Coca-Cola. So you say, oh, I don't want to. So I'm not supporting this brand. But yet and still you're still supporting the brand because they own another brand of, under another name. OK, America is a corporation. So this is exactly what they stand upon. Allegations that the Freemason organizations were infiltrated by the Illuminati during Weishaupt's reign are hogwash. The Freemasons have always contained the core of Illuminati within their ranks, and that is why they so freely and so willingly took in and hid the members of Weishaupt's group. You cannot really believe that the Freemasons, if they were only a simple fraternal organization, would have risked everything, including their very lives, by taking in and hiding outlaws who had been condemned by the monarch monarchies of Europe. It is mainly Freemason authors who have perpetrated the myth that Adam Weishaupt was the founder of the Illuminati and that the Illuminati was destroyed, never to surface again. 
1826, an American Freemason wrote a book revealing Masonic secrets entitled Illustrations of Freemasonry. One of the secrets that he revealed is that the last mystery at the top of the Masonic pyramid is the worship of Lucifer. Okay, we have since learned the secret of the story of the murder of Hiram Abif. Hiram Abif represents intelligence, liberty, and truth. And he was struck down by a blow to the neck with a rule representing the suppression of speech by the church. Then he was struck in the heart with the square representing the suppression of belief by the state. And finally, he was struck on the head by a mall representing the suppression of intellect by the masses. Where do we see this today? Right now in society. Okay. We can't say what we really feel, what we really think. We can't have our certain beliefs that don't agree with other people because as you can clearly see, uh, you will be basically suppressed in the media. Freemasonry thus equates the church, the state, and the masses with tyranny, intolerance, and ignorance. What Morgan revealed was that the Freemasons were pledged to avenge Hiram Abif and that their plan was to strike down the church, the state, and the freedom of the masses. Morgan caused a small uproar against the Masons. The small uproar turned into a full-blown anti-Freemason movement when the author William Morgan disappeared. Morgan had apparently been abducted and drowned into Lake Ontario. It was alleged that fellow Masons had done it, had done it, a claim that they deny to this day. Who else would have done it? I believe they murdered him. And so where do we see this taking place? Well, we see this taking place when people come out and speak the truth and mysteriously end up murdered. We see it in the, of course, in the entertainment industry and in politics with judges. We see this every day happening. The newspapers of the time state without reservation that he was murdered by Masons. Yeah, I could go in even deeper into these Masons. I just had a conversation yesterday with someone. I can go even deeper with these this Masons thing. The oath of initiation into the Freemason states that if secrets are told, the initiate will be murdered. A nationwide furor ensued that resulted in the creation of anti-Masonic political party in 1829 by Henry Dana Ward, Thurlow Weed, and William H. Seward. Interest in several anti-Masonic books was revived during that period with the result that Freemasonry suffered a severe loss of membership. It lasted only a few years, and by 1840, the anti-Masonic party was extinct. Time really does cure all ills. We know that the British Freemasons are a totally self-serving group that discriminates in favor of its own whenever jobs, promotions, contracts, or careers are concerned. The English Freemason organization was used by the KGB to infiltrate and take over British intelligence. British intelligence is synonymous with Ch Chatham House more commonly known as the Royal Institute for International Affairs, the parent organization of the Council on Foreign Relations in the United States. The English State Police Scotland Yard ordered its personnel not to join the Masons for fear the same would happen to them. Of course, you have been told all your life that the Freemasons are only a benevolent fraternal organization bent only on community service. Read on, oh, innocent one. Probably the most notorious Freemason Lodge is the P2 Lodge in Italy. 
This group has been implicated in everything from bribery to assassinations. P2 is directly connected to the Vatican, the Knights of Malta, and to the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency. You all, I'm going to get into the U.S. Central Intelligence Agency a little bit later, so we're going to delve deeper into that. It is powerful and dangerous. The P2 Lodge has succeeded in infiltrating the Vatican and has scored a coup of tremendous significance. The Pope John Paul II has lifted the ban against Freemasonry. Many high-level members of the Vatican are now Freemasons. I tell you now that Freemasonry is one of the most wicked and terrible organizations upon this earth. The Masons are major players in the struggle for world domination. The 33rd degree is split in two. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Who's pushing three, y'all? <laughs> one split contains the court of the uh, Luciferian Illuminati. And the other contains those who have no knowledge of it whatsoever. All of the intelligence officers that I worked for while in naval intelligence were Masons. I'm gonna repeat that. All of the intelligence officers that I worked for while in naval intelligence were Masons. As I stated before, I believe that my association Association with the Demolay Society as a young adult may have been the reason that I was selected for naval security and intelligence. However, that is only a guess. I had intended to go into great detail linking P2, the Pierre Dicion, the Vatican, the CIA organizations for a united Europe, and the Bilderberg. That's another group y'all might want to look up. The Bilderbergs are a key player still to this day of while we're going through a lot of what we're going through. Fortunately, Michael Bagant, Bagant, uh, Rigard Lee and Henry Lincoln beat me to it. I say fortunately because they confirmed my previous allegation that I published in my paper, the secret government that the CIA had plants called moles deep within the Vatican. I do not wish to be called a plagiarist, so you must read Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and the uh, Messianic Legacy, both by Bajant Lee and Lincoln. Any reputable bookstore should carry them. Between pages 343 and 361, the Messianic Legacy, you can read of the alliance of power that resulted in a secret world government. Most members of the Freemasons are not aware that the Illuminati practices what is known as secrets within secrets or organizations within organizations. That is one purpose of initiation. I cannot excuse any of the members. However, for anyone who joins the society without knowing everything about the organization is indeed a fool. Only those at the top who have passed every test truly known what know what the Masons are hiding, thus rendering it is impossible for anyone outside to know much at all about the group. What does that say about new members or those who are already members but do not know the ultimate secrets? It tells me that fools abound, okay? They all come together, you all. Unlike authors who out of fear have acted as apologists for the Freemasons, I decline to absolve them of responsibility and guilt. The Freemasons, like everyone else, are responsible for the cleanliness of their home. The occupant of a secret house within a secret house within a secret house cannot clean if he cannot see the number of rooms or what they contain. 
Their house is a stinking cesspool. Look to the Masons for the guilty party if anything happens to me. I believe that they have murdered in the past and they will murder in the future. It's just like the police, the police departments, you all. We know that many people on the police force are very unclean. So if there is someone that sees something going awry and they do not say anything, they're just as guilty, especially with all these murders that are going on within the melanated community. I firmly believe that all adult secret societies that practice degrees of initiation and consider the members to be illuminated are branches of the original ages old Illuminati. Their goal is to rule the world. The doctrine of this group is not democracy or communism, but a form of fascism. The doctrine is a totalitarian socialism. You must begin to think correctly. The Illuminati are not communists, but some communists are Illuminati. Monarchism, face uh, democracy antithesis in World War I, which resulted in the formation of communism and the League of Nations synthesis. Democracy and communism, uh, blah, blah, blah. Let's continue to go on here. How long is this chapter, y'all? Hold on, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I am not reading all of this. Not I said the duck. Now, this is interesting because it says, remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. I do want to get into more of this, but I think I have read enough. Because I don't know where this chapter stops. It's, it just keeps going on and on and on. All right. So let me go. Let me go on to this part where it says George Bush, when he was initiated into the skull and bones, did not lie naked in a coffin with a ribbon tied around his genitalia and yell out the de details of all his sexual experiences because it was fun. He had much to gain by accepting initiation into the order, as you can now see. OK, he became the president. These men meet for important reasons and their meetings are secret because what goes on during the meetings would not be approved by the community. The very fact that something is secret means there is something to hide. So, I mean, we get the point of what he's saying here, um, but he's very long winded. It looks this is very good information, though, uh, but I don't want to continue just just keep reading and reading and reading. All right. Now, what I will do. Okay, I'm going to come on camera for a second. Thank you for those who have stuck in here with me. Oh, my apologies. Let me stop sharing my screen for a second. My apologies, eight. Uh, <laughs> you said food is food there. Okay, you said they are one of the 13 families. That's right. The tri, I think it's called the trilateral. Um, what is it called? The trilateral commission or something like that. Turn my camera on while I talk to you. <laughs> OK, I think it's called the Trilateral Commission, Eight, if I, my memory serves me correctly. It's been a while since I've read some of that stuff and watched the documentaries on it. LeBron, why did you bring up LeBron? So are you saying LeBron is a part of this? Is that possible? You said the black boule is the black ones, but the white people are at the very top. I did hear about the boule. I think Dick Gregory tried to say they did not exist but apparently something exists. And you said, uh, Clinton's always, mm -hmm. 
and say it's suicide. I watched a whole documentary on them Clintons, okay? Mafia ties. My, they don't care who you are. When they're ready to get rid of you, you know what I'm saying? You out of here. And it's going to look like it was a suicide. It's so much information on them. I don't even understand how they haven't gone to jail. I guess people are just scared for their lives. I guess they're just scared, y'all. That's why they use the sign, the Rothschilds. Yes, the Rothschilds are a part of them, the Bilderbergers. Um, oh, the Rockefellers, this one, two, three. Yep, and all of these, I think it's 13 families. So the Bushes, the G-A-T-E-S, they're all, these people all are related, y'all. They are related, okay? So make no mistake about that. Oh, yeah, you said people do the signs and I yeah, they do the signs and the signals and stuff like that. So you said LeBron is one. A lot of the people that you see in uh, top level sports, the NBA, football teams, a lot of those people are in it too. A lot of them, that's how they get there because they know somebody that knows somebody. They are part of it. You know, they're in it. And some people feel like you just got to be in it to win. There is no like um, sporadic way of just thinking that you're going to be recognized just off of talent alone that is very far few and in between so a lot of these people that you see and you think they work their way to the top sometimes that is not how they got where they are okay they had to go through rituals they had to go through sacrifices and practices you all you saw what it takes to be the president okay he just wrote it in the book and there is an actual video clip and you can probably find this on youtube where they asked george bush Jr. about these ritualistic practices about lying in a coffin and masturbating and he, and to be in the skull of bones. And he said, oh, are people still doing that? Yeah, it's in a press conference. So, and check out the videos on Arizona Wilder. I don't even know why they still have those videos up, but she is very long-winded and she talks about a lot of things, you all. I mean, I did so much research on this stuff a few years ago and I was just really shocked when I found out a lot of this stuff. These people have a very demented way of being, okay? But they come to the public making it seem as they're normal. They want us to feel as though that they're the just Americanized, modernized family, the white picket fence, you know, the, the husband and the wife and the children. They are not what they perceive. It's just a perception of a reality, you all. There is no normal in this United States. That's, it's just not, it doesn't exist. It's only um, an image to make us feel comfortable because they want us to be relaxed. They don't want us to know the things that they're really practicing behind the scenes, okay? And they tell us one thing and do another. They have us look this way and go this way. And it's always been the case. You said um, they use the hush sign and uh, incest and inbreds and it's nastiness all right so i am going to share this video with you all i'm about to get my eat on and in this video i talk about operation chaos now somewhere in this book i could not find the place but he brought up operation chaos and so we're going to delve a little deeper into what operation chaos is how it impacted the black power movement how it impacted the alleged black panther okay situation and um so things are definitely not what they seem to be, all right? 
So let's get into it, you all. You said, I knew Bush wasn't normal when he kept thinking it was funny to joke about the 9-11 bombing. Was 9-11. You know what? I remember because when they announced 9-11, remember he was sitting, allegedly sitting, reading to the elementary school children and they whispered to his ear what happened. And he just sat there for a few more minutes looking dumbfounded. I think he was one of one of the silliest presidents we've ever had. <laughs> I had to say that. I'm sorry. No, I don't apologize. That's just my opinion. All right. Let me get into sharing this video, you all. And I'm going to eat my Chef Boyardee. Greetings, everyone. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Brown Girls the Beautiful. I am your melanated queen and your hostess, Lil Foxy, a.k.a. Seven Wonder. Today, we will be taking a look at and exploring the history of Operation Chaos. This was an article that was pointed out in the book Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper. So with all that being said, if you have not caught my prior live stream, please take a look at that live stream. It was very powerful. It spoke about how they tried to counteract William Cooper um, in his attempts to come out with this book to expose the truth about um, the United States government. Okay, so let's get into this article. It is called Domestic Surveillance by Vern Leon. And you all, I just want to send this special phrase to you all. You have to go through it to get to it, okay? So unfortunately, if there's something that you wish to do in life, some of us have to go through a very tumultuous journey to get to where we want to be. So that is just a little quote by yours truly, CEO and founder of Brown Girls Are Beautiful. Shout out to everybody that has supported the brand. Shout out to all the melanated kings, warriors, beauty queens out there and all of the princes and princesses that are continuing to walk in your divinity, okay? Now, it says, for over 15 years, the CIA, with assistance from numerous government agencies, conducted a massive, illegal domestic covert operation called Operation Chaos. It was one of the largest and most pervasive domestic surveillance programs in the history of this country, Throughout the duration of chaos, the CIA spied on thousands of U.S. citizens. The CIA went to great lengths to conceal this operation from the public, while every president from Eisenhower to Nixon exploited chaos for his own personal ends. One can trace the beginning of Operation Chaos to 1959. That was the baby boomer era, you all. When Eisenhower used the CIA to sound out the exiles who were fleeing Cuba after the triumph of Fidel Castro's revolution. Most were wealthy, educated, and professionals looking for a sympathetic ear in the United States. The CIA sought contacts in the exile community and began to recruit many of them for future use against Castro. The U.S.-based recruiting operation was argu arguably illegal, although Eisenhower forced the FBI director J. Edgar Hoover, okay, to accept it as a legitimate CIA function. Congress and the public showed no interest in who was recruiting whom. All right. Now, J. Edgar, Edgar Hoover, y'all, 
he was very evil, very conniving and vicious. And we're going to look deeper into his history as well. The CIA's Office of Security was monitoring other groups at this time and had recruited agents within different immigrant organizations. The CIA considered this a normal extension of its authorized infiltration of descendant groups abroad, even through the activity, even though the activity was taking place within the U.S. increased use of the CIA's contacts and agents among the Cuban exiles became commonplace until mass open recruitment of mercenaries for what was to be the ill-fated Bay of Pigs invasion was no longer a secret in Southern Florida. It was no secret to Fidel Castro either, as we later found out. We're going to have to take a look at the Bay of Pigs invasion. Actually, I have a notepad. I want to write that down. Okay. Bay of Pigs invasion. Yeah, they are full of it. I didn't even know anything like this existed. I want to say money goes to me, money flows to me. Okay. That is an affirmation of money affirmation, you all. Say your affirmations because money affirmations do work. This activity led the CIA to establish proprietary companies, fronts and covers for its domestic operations. So widespread did they become that President Johnson allowed the then CIA director John McCone to create in 1964 a new super secret branch called the Domestic Operations Division, DOD, the very title of which mocked the explicit intent of Congress to prohibit CIA, CIA operations inside the U.S. This disdain for Congress permeated the upper echelons of the CIA. Congress could not hinder or regulate something it did not know about and neither the president nor the director of the CIA was about to tell them. Neither was J. Edgar Hoover even though he was generally aware that the CIA was moving in on what was supposed to be exclusive FBI turf. So you see, they just did what they wanted to do anyway. Okay. And J. Edgar Hoover, y'all, I'm writing his name down because we're going to get into him. All right, let's continue on here. In the classified document creating the DLD, the scope of its activities were to exercise centralized responsibility for the direction, support, and coordination of uh, clandestine operational activities within the United States. One of those was burglarizing foreign diplomatic sites at the request of the National Security Agency, the NSA. The CIA also expanded the role of its quasi-legal domestic contact service, DCS, and an operation designed to brief and debrief selected American citizens who had traveled abroad in sensitive areas of intelligent interest. Because the interviews took place in airports, between the aircraft and customs and immigration control, the operations were not technically considered domestic. The operations were not technically considered domestic. The DCS also helped with travel control by monitoring the arrivals and departures of U.S. nationals and foreigners. In addition, the CIA reached out to former agents, officers, contacts, and friendships to help it run its many fronts, covers, and phony corporations. This old boy network provided the CIA with trusted people to carry out its illegal domestic activities, you all. All right. 
Now, it says the justification. With the DCS, the DOD, the Old Boy Network, and the CIA Office of Security operating without congressional oversight of public knowledge or public knowledge, all that was needed to bring it together was a perceived threat to the national security and a presidential directive unleashing the dogs. So we saw this in 9-11, okay? They said it was a threat to national security, which caused them to start checking you more thoroughly before you board a plane. How is it, okay, that they feel that a bottled water, a bottled drink is going to cause a plane crash or cause a bomb to be made on the plane? That makes no sense. The fact that you have to strip yourself down of any metals, the fact that you have to basically be frisked, okay, and scanned and your rights almost basically violated right there in general public, all in the name of national security, you all. But we already know that the plane never did crash into those buildings like they said, said that it did. And we know that those buildings were detonated from underneath because these uh, buildings were already designed back in the 1970s with detonate, detonation devices underground. And so this was predicted in The Simpsons that all of this would happen and that Trump would be nominated as President Iwal. All of this stuff is orchestrated. And who's behind it? The CIA. Let's continue. So where was I? That happened in 1965 when President Johnson instructed McCone to provide an independent analysis of the growing. My apologies for the lagging. I'm trying to get this to play in sequence so it doesn't be lagging. Let me see if it'll play better. Problem of student protests against the war in Vietnam. Prior to this, Johnson had to rely on information provided by the FBI intelligence that he perceived to be slanted by Hoover's personal views, which often ignored the facts because Hoover insisted that international communism was manipulating student protests. Johnson ordered the CIA to confirm or deny his allegations. All the pieces now came together. To achieve the intelligence being asked for by the president, the CIA's Office of National of Security, Counterintelligence Division, and the newly created DOD turned to the Old Boy Network for help. Many were old Office of Strategic Services, people who had achieved positions of prominence in the business, labor banking, and ac academic communities. In the academic arena, the CIA sought their own set of eyes and ears on many major college and university campuses. Okay, so these people were going to school with you all. The FBI was already actively collecting domestic intelligence in the same economic settings, ac academic settings. The difference between the intelligence being gathered was like night and day. The FBI special agents and their informers were looking for information that would prove Hoover's theory. The CIA wanted to be more objective. In 1965, Johnson appointed Vice Admiral William Raburn, CIA Director, DCI or Director of Central Intelligence, and Richard Helms, Deputy Director. Since Raburn's days at the helm of the CIA seemed numbered 
from the outset, he never really became involved in the nuts and bolts of domestic operations. That was left to Helms, a career intelligence officer who had come up through the ranks. He had been deputy officer for plans DDP since 1962 and deputy DCI from 1956 to 66. And who could be trusted? Helms became DCI in June 1966. As deputy director, he had allowed the CIA slowly to expand its domestic intelligence operations and understand his orders from President Johnson were to collect intelligence on college and university campuses with no governing guidelines other than don't get caught. Helms now had a free hand to implement Johnson's orders. And by August 1967, the illegal collection of domestic intelligence had become so large and widespread that he was forced to create a special operations group called the SOG. The SOG was embedded into the DDP's counterintelligence division and provided data on the U.S. peace movement to the Office of Current Intelligence on a regular basis. As campus anti-war protest activity spread across the nation, the CIA reacted by implementing two new domestic operations. The first was Project Resistance. Let's write this down, you all, because we're going to get into that as well. It was designed to provide security to CIA recruiters on college campuses. And also, we're going to dive into what it takes to become a CIA agent, okay? Because you can actually go online and see the criteria that you have to meet in order to become a CIA agent, you all. All right. And so it says... Um, under this program, the CIA sought active cooperation from college administrators, campus security, and local police to help identify anti-war activists, political dissidents, and radicals. Eventually, information was provided to all government recruiters on college campuses and directly to super-secret DOD on thousands of students and dozens of groups. The CIA's Office of Security also provided Project Merrimack, Y'all, they are on top of it. They just don't stop, okay? They are always finding ways to spy on people and come up with some nonsense. To provide warnings about demonstrations being carried out against CIA facilities or personnel in the Washington area. Project Miramac, that's spelled M-E-R-R-I-M-A-C. Under both projects, the CIA infiltrated agents into domestic groups of all types and activities. It used its contacts, okay, with um, local police departments and their intelligence units to pick up its police skills and begin in earnest to pull off burglaries, illegal entries, use of explosive criminal frame-ups, shared interrogations, and disinformation. CIA teams purchased sophisticated equipment for many starved police departments and in return got to see arrest records, suspect lists, and intelligence reports. Many large police departments, in the conjunction with the CIA, K-12 
carried out illegal warrantless searches of private properties to provide intelligence for a report requested by President Johnson and later entitled Restless Youth. You all, this is a hot mess. The government, the presidents, this whole system is nothing except a bunch of criminals. SLG was being directed by Richard Ober, a CIA person with an established record of domestic intelligence operations in academia. When Ramparts magazine disclosed the relation between the National Student Association and the CIA in early 1967, Ober was assigned to investigate the magazine's staff members, their friends and possible connections with foreign intelligence agencies. Okay. Mm -hmm. In July 1968, Helms decided to consolidate all CIA domestic intelligence operations under one program and the title, uh, the new operations was called Chaos and Ober was in charge. Its activities greatly expanded from then on at the urging not only of President Johnson, but also his main uh, advisors, Dean Rusk and Walt Rostow. Both men were convinced that Hoover was right and foreign intelligence agencies were involved in anti-war protests in the United States. Johnson was not convinced and wanted the CIA's intelligence in order to compare it with that provided by the FBI. Okay, then it gets into the Nixon administration, you all. After Richard Nixon took office in January 1969, Helms continued operations with the assurance that nothing would ever be leaked to the public. But he began to face pressure from two opposing factions within the CIA community. One wanted to expand domestic operations even more, while the other reminded him that Operation Chaos and similar activities were well over the line of illegality and outside the CIA's charter. To put a damper on this internal dissent, Helms ordered Ober to stop discussing these activities with his direct boss in counterintelligence, James Jesus Angleton. The internal protest continued, however, as White House aide and staunch anti-communist Tim Charles, um, Tom Charles Houston pressed for ever-increasing domestic operations. Houston was eager to expand Operation Chaos to include overseas agents and to share intelligence with the FBI's intelligence division directed by William Sullivan. There are more than 50 chaos agents now, many receiving several weeks of assignment and training in overseas positions to establish their covers as radicals. Once they returned to the U.S. and enrolled in the colleges and universities, they had the proper credentials. So I want you to think back to uh, allegedly President Obama, O-B-A-M-A, -A. Barack Hussein Obama, his real name is Barry Sotero or Sotelo. Do you recall that they did uh, basically some history on him and stated that he was a radical, that he was one of those people protesting against the government? I want you to be very clear, okay, that these things were put into place back in the 60s. So they can orchestrate whatever they want, you all, and make it seem like these people went to college with you, okay? Now, let's continue on. In June 1970, Nixon met with Hoover, Helms, NSA Director 
Admiral Noel Gaylor and Defense Intelligence Agency DIA Representative Lieutenant General Donald V. Bennett and told them he wanted a coordinated and concentrated effort against domestic dissenters. To do that, he was creating the Interagency Committee on Intelligence, the ICI, chaired by Hoover. The first ICI report in late June recommended new efforts in black bag operations, wiretapping and a mail opening program. Y'all, how many times have you got something in the mail and you saw that it had clearly been opened and they put it right in your mailbox? This is crazy. In late July 1970, Houston told the members of the ICI that their recommendations had been accepted by the White House. John Dean replaced Tom Houston as White House aide in charge of domestic intelligence and at his urging, a Justice Department group, the Intelligence Evaluation Committee, was established to study domestic groups over Hoover's protests. Deteriorating relations between the FBI and the other intelligence agencies, especially the CIA, caused Hoover to fire William Sullivan. At that time, Sullivan was the liaison officer between the FBI and the other intelligence agencies, and he strongly favored the expansion of domestic operations. Second thoughts, you all. Even Helms began to have second thoughts about how large chaos had grown, but Nixon made it clear to him that the CIA was a presidential tool he wanted at his disposal. Helms got the message, yet he also understood the growing uneasiness in other government circles. In 1972, the CIA's inspector general wrote a report that expressed concern about Operation Chaos in the following way. We also encountered general concern over what happened, over what appeared to be a monitoring of the political views and activities of Americans not known to be or suspect of being involved in espionage. Stations. Then it goes into campus surveillance. The unleashing, the unleashing of the CIA and my concerns about the escalating war in Southeast Asia crossed paths on the Iowa State University campus in the fall of 1965. I do not know why I was chosen for recruitment or by whom. Only the, only the CIA's old boy network on campus knows what criteria were used, what psychological profile was followed, and what future need of the CIA went into the initial selection process. There were no posters, no ads in local or campus newspapers, nor any notice in the college placement office. The CIA came, so they, they found who they wanted and placed them in, into the position. Yeah, I am so <clears throat> apologetic that this thing is lagging like this. Oh my God, it's getting on my nerves, but I don't think there's anything I can really do about it. Um, I was going to download it and upload it and post it on YouTube and then share my other YouTube video. I think that's what I'll do from now on because it might just be too much for this computer to take in at one time. So I apologize for this again. The CIA came purporting to the representatives of legitimate business concerns that would normally conduct job interviews on campus. The only advance notice of the interview was a letter on what appeared to be real company letterhead saying that such and such company was interested in offering you a job. Only after accepting the interview and signing several documents stating you would never reveal anything about the exclusive job offer being made would 
the interviewers tell you whom they really represented. By then, you were trapped into eternal secrecy, even if you declined their offer. You could not even approach the university's administration or placement office to complain about the deception. For the student or faculty member who accepted the CIA's offer to spy, the payments offered were tailored to the individual. In some cases, it was only money. In others, it may have been a guaranteed draft deferment, uh, research assistant grants, a future career with the CIA, patriotism, duty, or any combination. Short on money, plus wanting to serve my country without being sent to stop a bullet in a rice paddy halfway around the world, I listened intently to their pitch. I was hooked with an offer of an undeclared $300 in cash, in an envelope each month, plus a guaranteed draft deferment, and an offer of a bright future with the com company. So he, so basically they wouldn't draft him to go to war. In exchange, I was, ex I was asked to do several things while admonished to maintain absolute secrecy about my intelligence gathering activities, the CIA, and any working relationship between us. I was persuaded to believe that the nation was facing a major crisis of the student unrest and ensuing protests, and that even though such activities were permitted in our free country, we should not allow foreigners and or communists to pull the strings if they were involved. Manipulation, you all mind games and psychological warfare being portrayed here. My campus missions included monitoring selected students, obtaining printed materials from student protest groups, including membership and donor lists and programs of planned actions and protests, gathering information on private sexual activities of selected students or faculty and on the student visa status of selected foreign students and learning the activity, the identities of visiting, traveling agitators from other colleges and universities. Ethnic and racial groups were watched as well as student radical movements. No guidelines were given that differ differentiated between what was a legitimate protest and what constituted a perceived threat to national security. This allowed the CIA to expand its domestic surveillance to cover draft resistant organizations, military deserters, non-mainstream newspapers and publications, most black militant groups. OK, now I want you to make note of that because Operation Chaos played a major, major role uh, with the Black Panther and Black Power movement, you all. So that is something else that I want to talk about here. OK, so the black militant groups and U.S. citizens traveling abroad, most domestic political activity was also covered if it showed any sign of differing, differing from the American tradition. So just for you having a different viewpoint or thought set or thought pattern, you were basically targeted and uh, surveillance basically was you, they were, you were being monitored. OK, without your knowledge. So we're going to talk about the Black Panther and how that was infiltrated and how that was all orchestrated and also the Black Power Movement, you all. OK, so sometimes what you thought you saw was not really what it was. My entire senior year found me caught up in this illegal domestic covert operation. It changed my personality, my political point of view and my way of thinking about the structure and role of the different branches of our federal government. And it taught me to what lengths the government would go to hide illegal wrongdoings under the cloak of national security. 
we were asked to report on the rare whereabouts and activities of prominent persons whose comings and goings were not only in the public domain, but for whom allegations of subversion seemed sufficiently nebulous to raise renewed doubts as to the nature and legitimacy of the chaos program. Helms was being squeezed by White House demands to expand Operation Chaos and the fear that the whole question of domestic operations was going to become public knowledge. As Hoover feared, Helms found himself constantly shoring up one lie with another and then another. He found himself deceiving Congress and lying to the public as well as CIA employees. In March of 1971, a group of young CIA executives known as the Management Advisory Group, MAG, protested Operation Chaos and similar domestic operations by issuing a statement saying, MAG opposes any agency activity which could be construed as targeted against any person who enjoys the protection of the U.S. Constitution, whether or not he resides in the United States. Helms, of course, denied the CIA was involved in domestic operations or using basic American institutions such as the Peace Corps, the business community, or the media as covers for CIA operations. Just a few years later, Oswald Johnston of the Washington Star reported that over 35 American journalists, some full-time, some freelance, and some major media correspondents were on the CIA payroll. Anderson Cooper, Wolf Blitzer, okay, Nancy Grace. It's the whole slew of them. People that you would not even imagine. They monopolized the media, you all. And in 1974, the CIA admitted that over 200 CIA agents were operating overseas, posing as businessmen. All right. And so we're almost done here. I'm going to finish up this article and close out. The Collapse of the House of Cards. The web of deception, misinformation, lies, and illegal domestic activities begin to unravel with speed in the summer of 1972 when Howard Osborne, then chief of security for the CIA, informed Helms that two former CIA officers, E. Howard Hunt and James McCord, were involved in a burglary at the Watergate complex in Washington, D.C. The House of cards was about to come crashing down and Helms now wanted to salvage what he could and distance himself from not only Watergate but also the domestic operations. He appointed CIA Executive Director William Colby to handle any investigations into the agency's domestic operations and begin to prepare for the inevitable. These people are always crooked. You can never trust them. Helms was called to camp. David by President Nixon and sub uh, subsequently fired. His replacement was James Schlesinger, who would last but a few months. Schlesinger would be replaced in July 1973 by Colby and Helms will become U.S. ambassador to Iran to get him as far away as possible. In an effort to damage control, Colby decided that Operation Chaos and Project Resistance should be terminated. In 1975, the CIA underwent public investigation and scrutiny by both the Church and Rockefeller committees. These investigations revealed considerable evidence showing that the CIA had carried out its activities with a tremendous disregard for the law, but both in the U.S. and abroad. During the life of Operation Chaos, the CIA 
had compiled personality files on over 13,000 individuals, including more than 7,000 U.S. citizens, as well as files on over 1,000 domestic groups. The CIA had shared information on more than 300,000 persons with different law enforcement agencies, including the DIA and FBI. It had spied on burglarized. All right. So that went out. Now I'm just going to finish up, y'all. Stop. But the, the, the CIA, you all, um, had basically been keeping files on people that they shouldn't have been doing. Um, the CIA had shared information on more than 300,000 people with different law enforcement agencies, including the DIA and FBI. It had spied on, burglarized, intimidated, misinformed, lied to, deceived, and carried out criminal acts against thousands of citizens of the United States. It had placed itself above the law, above the Constitution, and in contempt of international diplomacy and the United States Congress. It had violated its charter and the contributed and had contributed either directly or indirectly to the resignation of a president of the United States. It had tainted itself beyond hope. This is crazy, you all. Of all this, the CIA's blatant contempt for the rights of individuals was the worst. This record of deceit and illegality implored Congress as well as the president to take extreme measures to control the agency's activities. However, except for a few cosmetic changes made for public consumption, such as the Congressional Intelligence Oversight Committee, nothing has been done to control the CIA. In fact, subsequent administrations have chosen to use the CIA for domestic operations as well. These renewed domestic operations began with Gerald Ford, uh, were briefly limited by Jimmy Carter, and then extended dramatically by Ronald Reagan. Any hope of curbing these illegal activities is scant. Uh, recently, George Bush and current DCI William Webster announced for the need to again target political enemies of the U.S. for assassination. Uh -huh. Think about John F. Kennedy, you all, and how he was assassinated. It is ironic that Webster, a former federal judge, would choose to ignore the limits and constraints placed on the government by the Constitution. During his tenure as director of the FBI, the, the Bureau was once again involved in the infiltration of groups practicing their constitutional right to dissent against U.S. government policies. Once again, the FBI compiled thousands of files on individuals protesting Reagan's war against Nicaragua and support for the genocidal Salvadorian military. Now Webster is in a position of perhaps even greater power and without doubt would have no qualms about abusing it. In conclusion, given the power granted to the office of the presidency and the account unaccountability of the intelligence agencies, widespread illegal domestic operations were certain. We as a people should remember history and not repeat it. It is therefore essential that the CIA be re reorganized and stripped of its covert operations capability. Effective Congressional oversight is also an important condition for ending the misuse of the intelligence apparatus that has plagued every U.S. administration since the formation of the CIA.
A great deal is at risk, our personal freedom as well as the viability of this society. The CIA must be put in its place. Should we be should we demand or allow anything less we will remain vulnerable to these abuses and face the risk of decaying into a lawless state destined to self-destruction okay that is it you all you can read this article is called domestic surveillance the history of operation chaos by Vern leong i think that's how you pronounce his last name it's l-y-o-n and anyway that is the history of the cia something that we are still dealing with today it's not going anywhere this government is crooked this entire nation is just built on greed built on lies and deception you all this you all has been an episode of brown girls are beautiful i hope you have enjoyed um, the article that i've shared with you and we'll dive deeper into this a little bit later you all stay blessed and take care and until next time you all stay beautiful All right, you all, thank you so much for joining me, okay? And I'm just gonna share my screen so I can show you this article in case you're interested in examining it for yourself, okay? So let me see here, here it is right here, okay? It's called The History of Operation Chaos by Vern Leong, Domestic Surveillance. And there you have it, the article technically is only four pages long, I read the entire thing in its entirety on the video just now. So I'm going to shop, stop sharing my screen. But, you know, they say cite your sources. So I'm citing my sources, y'all. <laughs> right there, you can see where they talk about campus surveillance. I thought it was very interesting that um, sometimes we get these people put into political power, especially OBAMA. And they said that he was uh, a protester. Remember, that's the narrative that they fed us. But we just found out in this article that all this stuff was orchestrated. All right. So it's very interesting. You know, they make it seem as though he's one of us. He's protesting for the rights and he's on our side. No, everybody knows that he is related to the Bushes. OK, all of those people related. Um, it's part of what they call the trilateral. Uh, the Trilateral Commission. So look that up if you haven't. This is old news. You can find articles. You can actually find this stuff on YouTube, you all. And uh, so I just wanted to talk about it, wanted to explore it. We will continue to further examine Behold a Pale Horse by William Cooper. This is a very easy, short read. It takes a long time because I'm actually reading it, but I don't want to read everything verbatim because it takes a while. It takes me about an hour to read 25 pages, and I'm just not going to do that because there are many, I think like 17 chapters in the book, but I've read this book in about a day and a half or something like that because I thought it was so intriguing and interesting. And when I get involved in reading a book that I find interesting, I cannot put it down until I finish it. And so after we finish this, we're going to delve into some other stuff. Willie Lynch is, is definitely coming up again because we got to talk about it, y'all. Mm -hmm. So anyway, y'all, this has been an episode of Brown Girls Are Beautiful. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, shout out to the Melanated Kings, Melanated Warriors. Shout out to my Melanated Beauties out there. I have some printing to do later, you all. Thank you to everybody who has supported BGAB Clothing.
Okay, thank you for the orders. Thank you for the shots outs, the subscribers, the likes. If you like this content, share this video, share this content, give it a thumbs up. What else? Subscribe, if you will. Okay, look, I sound like a YouTuber, y'all. And uh, what else did I want to say? That is about it, y'all. So I'm just going to sign out. Thank you so much for rocking out with me. And until next time, you all stay amazing, blessed, and beautiful. Get into it, okay, get into it. Enjoy nature, y'all. It's nothing like it. It's nothing like water. It's nothing like beautiful waterfalls. It's nothing like beautiful scenery, beautiful background. So y'all, just take time to live your life. All right, y'all, love you all. Oh, you know what? We forgot to do testimonies. <laughs> I forgot to do the testimony. I forgot it last time. What is the testimony? The testimony, you all, is that business is growing. The testimony is that, you know, I'm still making money through my business adventures and my entrepreneurship. And so I just wanted to share that with you. The testimonies that I'm still here, still standing, no matter what tried to take me down. Okay. Because the enemy came to destroy me, but I'm a warrior y'all. So that's my testimony. Good night. Right back at you. <laughs>